How's it going, everybody? This is Damien G from the Big Gold Belt podcast. And when I have a really hardcore gaming fix, I tend to go to Free Play Arcade located in the DFW Dallas Fort Worth area. They have locations in Richardson, Arlington, as well as Fort Worth with award winning games and food. Mind you, these are real arcades. Even in today's climate, arcade gaming is still a thing. Pinball, old school gaming from Mario Brothers to Pong to Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It is all there for people who love their old school gaming and it's more of a family environment because trust me I've been to other arcades y'all and this is the most family environment of all the arcades I've been to throughout Dallas so please feel free to check them out go to freeplayinc.com slash save the arcade to buy merch gift cards and other types of swag if you can't make it out or don't feel comfortable making it out to the arcades again that is freeplayinc.com slash save the arcade because they need our help and trust me when I tell you it is definitely the place to go for arcade gaming that's freeplayinc.com slash save the arcade Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode. What are we up to? Two ninety-seven of the two ninety-seven tonight. Holy moly! We're three from three hundred. We are currently behind the scenes planning out what the three hundredth episode is going to look like here at Big Gold Belt. But you got me, Damien G, in the house. You got Will over that way in the house. You got Jamal the Giant Crab down there. Two Chains is not with us today. He's fine. He just said, "You know what? You guys ride the ship. I'm taking the day off." And as always, tell us, we love you. And uh, he's got some personal business to take care of. So, gentlemen, 30 years, some guy called The Undertaker debuted. And apparently it's a big deal that he's leaving at Survivor Series because that's where he actually started his career in WWF. Uh, We've seen a lot of this, his last stand, supposedly. Uh, We we saw at WrestleMania, he put his, his gimmick in the ring and walked off, and yet he came back. He had his Boneyard match this year at WrestleMania. Thought that was the end. And last, here we go. Sunday, we're going to have to deal with him one last time. Now, here's a question I have to start us off. Because he's been around kind of in the sad state the last couple of years in Undertaker's goodbye, is he still the GOAT or is he now a joke? How do we look at it? (laughs) Wait, wait, who thought he's the greatest of all time right now? People that no career wise from beginning to end that his from, from career top to has been know, but, a, a okay, good status. Is he in the conversation of greatest of all time? Seriously? Some have, some have. Oh, okay. I haven't heard oh. that sentiment in a while. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm sure someone on Reddit has said that. <laughs> I'm sure that someone has also said, and they're dead serious that Norman Smiley is in that conversation as well. <laughs> tinfoil hats, tinfoil hats, Tin, tinfoil chats. That's right. Coming soon. So, but the but the idea is, I, I you know, thirty years of anything deserves some kind of commemoration. I'm not a fan of the Undertaker, never have been. I don't care, but I can understand you know his impact and his legacy within his, particularly WWE, um, and the need to send that off. Well, this is the gold uh, pocket watch of wrestling, so it's a. Um, it's, it's understandable that they're making a big deal about this, especially since it coincides with how he came into the business or to WWE rather, and that's how he'll leave. So good for him. As far as goat or joke, I, I think that's a bit harsh because joke, no. I mean, yes, would his gimmick debut today and get be nothing but a comedy act? Probably so. Would uh, you know? There, but there is a reason why his gimmick is stood for 30 years Mm -hmm. I think that 
that 30-year number is also a bit of a stretch since in the last, like, five, he's only done, like, eight matches. But okay, fine. Let's give him 30. With that said, GOAT? No, not even close. He's in my top 500. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it, the greatest of all time, I, I don't, I don't know how people, get, I don't know how people get get to that number. Um, but but you know, good for him. Uh, you know, good for the event. It will be interesting to see what they do since he's already had more you know endings than Lord of the Rings. Um, it, it you know to see and, and of course because in wrestling you never say never. It'll be really interesting to see, uh, you know, what that looks like afterwards. So. I I don't know how I really feel about it, and it's somewhere between I don't care and for hit for history's sake, I should at least peek at it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Will? Yeah, that's kind of I think the big thing here is what exactly happens to put a cap on thirty years of the Undertaker, especially after every darn match in the world I think has been done. Hell, the man laid down his gloves in the ring before and all that. I mean, we've seen everything they could possibly do with this guy. And they're not promoting a match, specifically, it seems. So what's it going to be? Is he just going to kind of come out and, like, wave to the crowd or, like, make lightning strike or something and maybe give somebody a choke slam and that's it? It's like, what exactly is the end of things this weekend at Survivor Series? I don't know what exactly that looks like what it's going to entail or what it will actually be. That's, I think, the biggest mystery here. And I can't really think offhand, like, what they'll do. What What do you do to send off The Undertaker, especially now that he's, you know, dropped the facade and right. did that huge, you know, documentary series, you know, The Undertaker's Last Ride, where it's like, now he's just, Mark, the guy who eats chicken wings. <laughs> so, oh, Have you seen that yet? The hot ones? I saw, I saw a little bit of it today. And it's just like, oh. this is just old redneck Mark hanging out in texas eating wings <laughs> and i think that that's the big thing that i'm i'm less inclined to watch it is because if you've been following they're going to bring in all all of his bs the beastie crew you know mm -hmm. sabio godwins whoever's around from that they ran with back then as uh this is your life you know commemorating the 30 years we're not going to get the dead man you know kneeling to the urn we're going to get mark calloway as a this is your life for 30 years in the WWF slash E and without a crowd, I don't think it hits as well as it would have with a crowd. I think people at home, the Thunderdome notwithstanding are going to say, well, this is cool, but couldn't you wrap this up in a 24? You didn't need to have this as a live part of the event. It's, I mean, Survivor Series is not looking that good anyway on paper. So I guess this is to drum up more interest. But aside from that, I'm not really interested in watching Mark talk about, hey, man, thanks, rest in peace, and then walk off and then hug fake Brother Kane and then keep it moving. That's not something that I'm looking forward to. But it's his time. He wanted to go out how he wanted to. And I think we've talked about it on this show that Saudi money keeps coming up. WrestleMania keeps coming around. $8 million here, $9 million there. Someone's got to pay for the ranch out in Texas, so might as well be Vince. Uh, are you going to miss him? Because personally, I'm not. Well, that that kind of like the sentiment kind of leads to the idea of how do we get to greatest of all time? Um, and, and how why is he in that conversation? Now, I'm willing to add some caveats to that and say that, like, OK, let's cut it off at 2010. Mm -hmm. Where the Undertaker, you know, when he still really started to diminish in the ring, and, and stuff like that, or we could say that like no, it's his in full body body of work, and and that's just what it is. But it is kind of like, what now? You know, what does what does the greatest of all time actually look like? You know, will actually will they pull out all the stops and bring in some people that are affiliated somewhere else? Um, you know, Jericho had a similar deal with AEW and some familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces showed up to wish him well. Mm -hmm. um, you got some New Japan folks, you got some Impact folks, you got some people around the Indies and, and stuff. So it was kind of cool that they did that for Jericho. And it's cool that they're doing this for The Undertaker. I guess more of the presentation is what I'm looking forward to. 
rather than the um, in WWE. You know, if they don't do anything well, they definitely put together a great promo package. Yes. So that will be very interesting to see what that looks like. But you know, overall, you know how the and of course how to affect the show. When do you put that on during the show? You know, after Bobby Lashley's match. <laughs> uh, you know. And so uh, you know these these are things, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it fits into the theme of the Survivor Series. And that's a good point because I'm thinking about where you slot that in. Uh, you do you slot it in the middle, or if there's no cash in at Survivor Series, do you put it at the end? And you go to black with him just walking off and doing the fist. And and that's that's where we end. Because I went back and I rewatched Survivor Series, the match he debuted in. He he wasn't even in there more than like seven minutes. It ended with Bret Hart and Ted DiBiase. Oh, yeah. He, he just showed up, killed some people, and then got out of there. So, yeah. I mean, the precedent is definitely set that Undertaker can make a very short appearance and it not be any kind of, you know, big deal but it's just a matter of what you they, they have it's weird they've hyped this up as the undertaker's last stand and his last appearance in 30 years of undertaker but they also haven't hyped it up because they haven't really said anything tangible about it so does it close the show does it main event do you put it on in the middle i mean i don't i think you can make totally make a case that yeah you throw it on in the middle of the show is kind of like a buffer segment in between a bunch of things or yeah, maybe you do close the show with a damn like lightning strike or whatever they do, or <laughs> Kane and him coming out and high fiving each other. I don't know. I mean, what 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 the hell they do? I don't know. I think someone's eating a choke slam. I think that's gonna happen, and there'll probably be a whole bunch of special effects rooms showing up. Who knows? Does he come out to Limp Biscuit? Do we get the return of Roland Undertaker coming down? Oh no. What I don't know. That that's I think the big mystery is what exactly happens with Undertaker on Sunday. <laughs> and I get the sentiment. I get the reason why we're doing this now. It's to drum up interest for a pay-per-view that doesn't have a lot of interest currently. But alas, it's one of those things where the mystique of The Undertaker for me, not even from the in-ring stuff, him as a person is when I found out, I think it was what, maybe a year and a half ago or two years ago, when he was going to be at All Out mm -hmm. and he was charging on an appearance fee. And I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. That's that's how we know the end is nigh because he's starting <laughs> to do appearance fees right like every other WWF slash E legend or wrestling legend that shows up at the comic book store at Comic-Con. So when I saw that happen and then we saw the 24, oh, the last ride. Oh, oh, this is this really is it because he's looked sad in the ring the last couple of years. What else he's going to do besides show up for Saudi money? And just chokeslam someone. For instance, a couple years ago when The Rock showed up at Mania and rock bottom Derek Rowan got a quick <laughs> four-second pin, you know, four-second win, and that was it. Don't Dude, forget the flamethrower. And the <laughs> flamethrower, yes. Gotta light that rock sign on fire with the flamethrower. Now, me personally, if I'm doing the goodbye, I have him come out in how, how we ended the, the, the match with AJ Styles at Mania, the Boneyard match. Have mm -hmm. him drive in on his motorcycle. Someone pops off to him. Either choke slams them or tombstones somebody, and then walks off. Bong, the gong hits. He walks off. Everybody, yay! And that's it. I don't need him to into, overstay his welcome. Into the sunset and gone. Yes. Do you think WWE knew that Survivor Series would be the end of the end of the end when no. they were doing the bowling art match? No. Nah, and I, that's, I keep thinking, you know, nah, this is the end until uh, it comes WrestleMania season or the Saudi prince shows up with a big old vault full of money saying he wants to see Undertaker. <laughs> it's the end until next time. <laughs> but I think I guess the biggest difference is he did that damn documentary. The, whole, yes. the entire gimmick is finally gone as far mm -hmm. as like being protected. That was always the big holdout forever. So I don't maybe this is it. I don't know. Well, you know how I think it's going to be it? Because now he's on Cameo. I think now <laughs> once you hit Cameo and Vince hasn't told you you can't do it, charging $1,000 a pop, I think it's over. Hooey, that is the premium price of premium prices that I think we've seen for a wrestler. When we, when we were playing high-low Cameo, what was it? Alexa Bliss had been up there. Yeah, she was, she was at, uh, at 380 
I think, um, well, 400, you know, her yeah, Charlotte Flair was up around 350. Um, Roman Reigns was at like 500. Ric Flair was at about 500. But Undertaker's uh, definitely take the cake as far as cameo goes. Yeah, he's taking the cake and the whole bakery with him because $1,000 for what, 20 seconds worth of Mark Calloway saying whatever Mark Calloway is going to say, which brings up another interesting question. Because last week, Zelina essentially lost her job and wrestlers had to give up Cameo going forward in, in order to stay employed by WWE. Alas, Mr. Calloway is now a real independent contractor and probably after Sunday is not going to be a regular employee of WWE slash F. He's allowed to do it. I, I, I don't want to hear people tell me, well, it's the Undertaker. He could do what he wants. No. If you got people on one hand talking about they won't let me do cameo, they won't let me have an OnlyFans, they won't let me have a Twitch. It doesn't matter who you are, and I and I get it in athletics, the 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 stature thing. But that's how I know he's not sticking around because he's allowed to make a thousand dollars for five minutes. Because where else is that money going to come from aside from uh, signings? Well, to be fair, we don't know if he's making a thousand dollars. You know that that he's listed as a WWE superstar with WWE's logo on the cameo page. <laughs> That's you know, the WWE say. set this up and said that they're only going to do 30 personalized video messages, uh, you know, sometime between now and the 22nd. So, you know, it's it's not just, um, you know, Mark Calloway, you know, Texas resident is, you know, <laughs> putting on a hat and, and a leather jacket and doing a thing. It's right. like, no, The Undertaker is doing a thing. Yeah. And I think that, that there's a little bit of a difference there. And this is what the WWE wanted originally. Yeah, for, for this setup, being it says, like Jamal just said, The Undertaker with the mm-hmm. WWE logo. I, I'm assuming you you get this cameo, you should be getting some eyes rolling in the back of the head. You should be getting The Undertaker gimmick speaking to you. So the slow speaking and maybe the hand raised up, the eyes rolling back. And who, who knows? Who knows? And unless, of course, unless he's being a... Dead Man Rising Undertaker, if he's being Booger Red, then we're just essentially getting uh, Texas Mark turned up a bit if he's doing uh, that version, Dead Man Walking. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think the interesting thing to be this, he's only doing 30 of them. Yes. It's definitely, obviously, WWE approved, WWE tied in. Who knows if they're like doing an even split, like WWE's getting 500 bucks of that thousand and he's getting the other 500. But this is one of the first I think we're seeing that's like an officially endorsed wwe cameo since all this stuff has happened so this is probably setting the tone for how they want to run it and i think that that part right there where it says only 30 messages i think that they're trying to have some exclusivity to it they're trying to drive that price i think they're trying to look at the idea of like we don't want you doing like 50 or 100 of these probably the idea that if you do that then you probably got you that lowers the value of it it probably brings down the price if you have a finite number they're probably thinking hey we can charge a premium for this and it's much more of an exclusive thing to have a cameo from the undertaker so i could see this maybe being their business model for cameo going forward and how they're going to approach it assuming of course this works if for some reason it bombs but you only got to move 30 of them i don't think it will I think this is probably how they're approaching things out of the gate for how they want to approach cameo as opposed to how all their talent was just doing it to, you know, make their own money on the side. Right. So basically as long as you're able to split the profits with WWE, it's okay. Well, that's what this was from the beginning. I mean, Alexa bliss was charging $400 on her own and whatever the deal is with cameo, it's not a a one-to-one transfer. Uh, They still need to make some money on their end. But, you know, with that aside, even if uh, Bliss takes 80 percent of, of whatever she is, whatever she's earning, you know, at 400 bucks. I mean, that's that's more than, a, you know, a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So if the under, if the Undertaker's, you know, if WWE stands to make thirty thousand dollars off of these 30 uh, you know, personal messages. And even if they take 10 percent of that, I mean, or if they have to if Cameo takes 10 percent of that. That's still over twenty five thousand dollars that WWE gets 
just for the Undertaker saying "Happy Birthday, Tyler, rest in peace" or something. <laughs> that would be so confusing, but yes. Right. That, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, yeah. It's 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 obvious to, to WWE that like it's a good idea. Why didn't we think of it first? But what we're going to do is force you to you know to play with us, and that's why everybody canceled the thing. But yeah, it's 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 kind of ridiculous that um that that's the way it is. But you know what? It's that's what WWE you know wants to do. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they actually move thirty. Yeah, and oh. then to tie this to tie this into the whole Zelina Vega situation that broke last week after our show, the next day, um, I think what gets interesting here is, I mean, from all accounts, what we're hearing is. Now, the deal breaker for for Zelina to be let go was that she would not give in on Cameo and Twitch and adding OnlyFans and all this, essentially because she was making more money through all these revenue streams than her actual WWE contract is the rumor going around. So I can totally I totally get that. I'm like, hey, if you're making more money doing all that stuff and not taking a bump. <laughs> Hey, more power to you. I, I I totally get it. I think what we're seeing with this uh, Undertaker situation is obviously they want to have their they want their taste. Vince obviously wants his taste. We know that mm-hmm. he wants a cut of that money. But I think it's also a factor of they want a hand in the presentation. Also, I think I think the idea, like we're saying, here, like they're this they are promoting the Undertaker on Cameo, Alexa Bliss. I'm sure they're thinking it would be we want you to go on there as alexa bliss we don't want you doing this in your bathroom like when you woke up and you're just you know kind of hanging out in your normal everyday clothes and it's lexi kaufman i think the idea they're going to go for is no you're going to go on cameo you're going to pay a premium amount but you are going to get alexa bliss looking like alexa bliss and being portraying alexa bliss i think that's the idea that they're going to go with here on this and that makes me cringe for the talent because it goes back to what we were saying about your likeness being used for whatever the corporation or the organization wants to mm-hmm. do. It's like, Hey, now we have WWE sponsored cameos. Now you got to do it as like, a, like it's a charitable thing too. You know, like, Oh, when you have to do Connor's cure and things like that, that's one thing, but now you have to make money on our behalf and corporate chill on cameo in character when we, we stopped letting you do it a month ago for your own personal gain. So yeah, it's 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 a catch twenty two. And with the Zelina thing, I know the last straw was the OnlyFans, and for you know the Antonios out there, it was it was strictly a cosplay right. OnlyFans. <laughs> no no nudes, just cosplay. And she's good at it. She has a skill outside of wrestling. She's a really good cosplayer. She's a pretty damn good video game player. And I think you brought up the point. Well, if the WWE shine is no longer on her. Mm-hmm. How long can this amount of income be coming in before it all runs out? Because after all, and I brought this up on previous shows, when it comes to like OnlyFans or Twitch, there's only so much artwork you could pay for before mm-hmm. you're like, this is boring. And then what does she do after that? Right. Well, in 90 days, you know darn well, she's going to have every opportunity in the world that if she wants to get on another platform, if, if she wants to join another wrestling company. I mean, everyone knows she's a great talker. So mm-hmm. she, there will be roles for her within 90 days. I'm curious what happens over the next 90 days. Like you said, so much of that following she has on these social media platforms has to somewhat be tied to her national TV exposure she's yeah. gotten through WWE. So once that's turned off, how long does everyone stick around for the Twitch, for the OnlyFans and all that? It's like I'm right now she's gonna have a ton of subscribers. But 60 days from now, how do you how how long does the, does that bump stick around? I think that's the thing. And I think someone said, you know, it comes down to like any content creator, it's gonna come down to her making it engaging content that people yes. are gonna want to stick around for. So I I guess we're we're gonna find out. I think that's gonna be an interesting thing to see, is just you know, how much of her social media success can be tied to the platform she was getting through WWE. And then can, will that follow her along if she ends up in another company down the road in six months and in, into 2021, does it stay that way or does it fall off or does heck who knows? Maybe she's like, if she's so darn good at this, maybe she's like, Hey, you know, forget wrestling. I'm, I'm going to go uh, 
do this for a while and, you know, pursue acting or something. Who knows? Which I think that's the next thing for her, because I think shortly after that, uh, Gabrielle Carteris of of SAG, AFTRA, her Mm -hmm. of Beverly Hills 90210 fame, for those who don't remember, uh, quoted as saying wrestling is such wrestling is as much a media as it is sports. And we are going to directly engage with members of the profession to help find them ways for them to protect themselves. As more people reinvest in unions and as more working people are harassed by employers who don't want to protect them, SAG-AFTRA is committed to doing what we can to help professional wrestlers secure the protections they deserve. In other words, these makings of a wrestling union, not a WWE union, because I've had to have this conversation with people, a wrestling union may be in the cards more than we realize. And if she's the one that spawned it, good on her. Yeah, it's 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 true. We've talked here. Let it touch them all. Let them all get. We we've talked about this a lot lately. <laughs> it would be interesting, and and, I'm, and I saw this originally on Twitter, and I don't remember where I saw it, but it's an interesting point, and I'm gonna you know say it here. It would be interesting if Zelina Vega in a couple weeks has done more for the union movement than David Starr has done in a couple of years. <laughs> But also, uh, it, it is interesting. Um, for example, I'm looking at her numbers right now. She has over nearly 14,000 subs on Twitch. Ooh. It costs at least $5 to sub. You can sub up to any manner or level. If They will obviously take all the money you have, but it is at least $5. Times 13,785. I'm, I'm just saying. That's, you know, <laughs> 75,000, 70,000, something like that. Yep, you're looking at um, 70,000. 60, yeah, 60,000 ish plus. So, I'm sorry, 65,000 plus. But either way, and Twitch gets a cut of that 1%, 3%, 10%. That's a decent chunk of change to be a streamer. And she's not even like a streamer of note in that she has 500,000 subs or 50,000 subs or whatever, and she's only been doing it sporadically for the past, you know, few eh, months, definitely maybe a year. As far as the whole union thing goes, it's interesting that she's not in this, uh, in that, in the Actors Union, um, Screen Actors Guild, because she was in the movie. Yes, that's a good fighting with my family. Yeah, she was in fighting with my family, uh, and, and like more than a major role, she definitely had like, I think one of the caveats is you have to have a speaking role. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't just join SAG because I walked on set and like tripped over a mom. Um, so, you know, she had lines. She was in. She should have her SAG card and vote in the SAG Awards. Apparently, that's not the case. Yeah. So from, from, from what I was hearing as people talked about this week, I ran a couple people that are apparently actually SAG members. And it's it's apparently the deal is. There's the obviously the requirement that you you, know, you have to you have to be working in the field. You have to at least have a speaking role, stuff like that. But it's like even once you do that. Like annually, there are work requirements that have to be met to maintain the membership on top of, you know, the the monetary aspect of it. So if you did a move like, you know, fighting with your family was, you know, a, a couple years ago. So if you have that, that that was great then, but it doesn't necessarily apply now. So it's but a matter to, of you have to, to maintain. Fair, though, she does have um, and obviously just being on TV isn't enough because I don't think um television uh, news reporters. Wolf Blitzer isn't like a SAG member because he's on TV. He would be a SAG member because he's in movies. Like he was in Mission Impossible or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So specifically movies and and, and, and television production. Um, The idea is she does that for a living as a wrestler. So which is it? Is it a sports league where that's not that's not a uh, an acting job? Or is it sports entertainment? Well, this is a scripted show. No different than any reality TV show. But then again, now that I think about it, are Jersey Shore members a member of the Screen Actors Guild? Um, <laughs> does reality I, you know, TV count? <laughs> yeah, does reality TV count? So, so these are questions that I have no answers to. But the idea is, I think it would be interesting. That would be groundbreaking if wrestlers were admitted to the Screen Actors Guild for their work on TV, which obviously drives a wedge and separates wrestlers, prominent wrestlers from not. Right. 
if you are working the B circuit of NXT, running around Florida, not getting any screen time, we're not talking about you. You got to make it to TV. And, right. and making it to TV is more than just a uh, is more than just a transit bump and pay. It's it's admitted to the union, which has its benefits that you also have to pay for. Um, you know, so that would be really really interesting to see what comes of that and where that line is drawn between a wrestler on the indie scene and an actor that wrestles on TV. And also where the line is drawn as to what qualifies as TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, MOW has a TV deal. Mm-hmm. Would they be involved as well? Even though their show, they only have one show that only airs at one time. Is it the number of hours that you need to produce uh, You know, on TV? Doesn't matter how you're booked. What about Can all these they... streaming shows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that's another thing too. Does YouTube count? Um, if you put together scripted things, and it airs on YouTube as your show, like NWA does, would they count? If it doesn't count, would that encourage NWA, whatever's left of the NWA roster, to move to actual TV so they can get some of the benefits that the union provides? These are questions. And yeah. I'm not a labor lawyer, but I think that that's, it's definitely worth looking into. We've been talking about this really a nauseum for like the past month. And, and it's definitely something that needs to happen but it will be interested on an individual level to see like you have indie darlings that are as marketable as your, um, you know, person on television, Warhorse, for example. Warhorse is not, is somebody that would apply to this conversation as a member of the union. Right. But does Titus O'Neil? I mean, he works for the company, some, he's back there cooking. Titus Catering worldwide. Occasionally shows up on TV. What have we seen? I haven't. Well, I mean, I don't watch the product, but you know. Last week he a, appeared and got beat by Bobby Lashley in like five seconds. Okay. It's rare, but he pops up. He still pops up. He's like a groundhog. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so that's kind of the thing, you know. And these are the things that would need to be worked out in the collective bargaining agreement, but also would that include mandatory minimums? In order to be included in the union, you have to work. I can't just say that I'm employed by my company, but I'm not at work. So, you know, no, that's not, you, you gotta you gotta work. You know, that's the point. But if you're getting paid, let's say Bo Dallas, for instance, you're getting paid, but you're not showing up to television, that still counts, right? It could. I mean, obviously that would depend on what the collective bargaining agreement says. Or is there a mandatory minimum of hours that you need to be presented on television with mm. actual um, w- with the actual thing that, that is wrestling but then again if you don't cut a promo is it acting <laughs> right right because, because stuntmen I mean I don't, and I don't know I don't know if stuntmen are in that union or if they have their own a different one but stuntmen usually don't have lines right so I don't know if that's the case because of all the Dallas or Tyler O'Neill rather would work a match, but he necessarily obviously not getting the promo time. He's just working the match and that's it. In the same way that LeBron James isn't, well, he would be, but in the same way would an NBA player wouldn't necessarily be in this union because just because they give an interview on inside the NBA. I, there's a lot of red tape, obviously, that needs to be sorted out. It's a big old ball of yarn, but who fits in where within the company as the union is supposed to provide equity uh, you know, for its members. Mm-hmm. But who gets to be a member? And you can and you can really look at individuals in any company, but specifically WWE and go, you're in, you're in, you're not, you could be if you got booked. Right, or you got to get out of NXT and get a real contract. And then once you have a real contract, then you can possibly be in. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of layers. A lot of layers, yeah. and it's complicated. And I, th- because of that, I think in the end, I think what's going on is that Gar- Gabriel Carteris is interested in talking to Zelina and them about how they can go about forming a union. But I also think that they quickly will figure out that this isn't something. This is not going to be a situation where SAG can take on wrestlers as a whole as SAG members. I think it's going to be a matter of we can give you guidance to hopefully set up your own union. 
Yes. But y'all are going to have to do this because it's just, it's, there's so many wrestlers. It's such a unique situation like we're just getting into here. And then I think on top of that, I think in the end it would come down to, I think the membership of SAG would probably be like, well, this ain't our problem. And it, how it will affect everyone that's already in SAG. Cause Lord knows when the pandemic hit, there was all these stories about that uh, benefits were being cut off to people that were already in SAG just because of, you know, productions shutting down in Hollywood and stuff. So you have everyone who's already in there and I don't think they're exactly going to be looking for, you know, Hey, we're going to, take on all the wrestling uh, industry now. So I think in the end, it's going to come down to, we can help you do this, but you got to get people on board and you guys are going to have to form your own thing that I think is going to have to be unique to the wrestling business. Cause it's just, it's so different. Like I said, there's just, you brought up a lot of points there, Jamal, that were like really good as far as like so, just the different layers of. So let me give you a couple you, of ideas of what SAG does. Um, so the Screen Actors Guild as a union uh, provides uh, in 2010 an ex-board member successfully fought for disability health plans for stuntmen and reimbursement for disabled stuntwomen. Um, another uh, peop- group of people decided to, they, they wanted to show more um, equity in who gets hired for roles. So they're like a requirement that a studio e- interviews X number of minority female uh, directors, writers, uh, screenwriters, uh, screenwriters and such. Um, so a lot of these things that uh, that you, hey, you, number one, you got to be a union member to, to work the project. Um, but also, and more importantly, the union is fighting for a little bit of equity in how the business is portrayed. So I think with wrestling, there is a lot of overlap but it will be interesting to see what that overlap is and who within the business is is eligible. I think that's going to be the million dollar question that will happen that will have to be answered. And then of course, the people on the outside looking in, where does that leave them? And then of course there are the scabs, the ones that don't join the union because it's bad in their interest, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, like a Randy Orton, for example, why should he pay money to be where he is? He's good. Um but uh, obviously it would be in the best interest of a person like Andrade or somebody to have a little bit more of a path forward, you know, when he's ready to hang it up, you know, and that would include like guaranteed healthcare or something like that. So I, I'm all in, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because honestly, this is what they need. Um, especially, especially uh, the people in the indie uh, circuit that won't ever get this opportunity, but still do the work. Right. And I, and I think that we can dovetail it and just say this is a lot more layered to Jamal's point to Will's point. I, I didn't even think about all the angles this can go into. Uh, I just kind of queued it up to like when the NCAA was taking advantage of Ed O'Bannon, that, that whole lawsuit. But now this is a lot more layered uh, with so many different facets of professional wrestling. It's like having your own wing in the Hall of Fame. You know, you have your own wrestler's wing or your sports entertainers wing because then you're going to have people who do mocap for video games claiming hey i acted in a video game do what does that count for me i was yeah. Liu kang for three straight mortal combats does that matter you know to, to 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 sag so to all your points these are these are definitely things that now that pandora's box has been opened you know instead of just saying hey wrestlers should form a union okay genius now what now that yeah. now, now that we're going to do it how we're going to do it. And I think as, a, as the weeks and months go by, we're going to find out the, the, the first or second, third tiers of who gets what slot to Jamal's point. But I digress. Uh, back to the real wrestling part of the show, guys. Sorry to you know, <laughs> bore people with union talk. Uh, the PWI Insider, you know, our favorite people who do random lists like their what culture. And yet people still purchase the magazines and subscriptions. They're pretty much a, a hot button issue. They released their top 50 tag teams, tag teams. We've had the, we've had the wrestlers of the year. We've had the uh, women's wrestlers of the year. And now we have tag teams and in their top 10, which if you're not familiar with WWE or even AEW, you know, these names may not ring true to you, but in no uncertain terms, Rapongi 3k is number 10. The Kabuki Warriors are number nine. The New Day is number eight. 
even though they don't mention which ones, it's just New Day as a whole. The Lucha Brothers, the Gorillas of Destiny at six, interesting. The Street Profits at five. The North, who I think actually is, is uh, rated a little too low here at four. The Golden Role Models, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. And number one, not the Young Bucks, FTR. <laughs> and there were a lot of people heated about that, <laughs> that the Bucks of Youth were not in the top 10. No. But, and the, yeah, and dude, the criteria here, sorry, yes. well, the criteria here is momentum, wins and losses, team chemistry, activity, and it factor, with the evaluation period being October 1st of 2019 till September 30th of this year. So I ask you, gentlemen, did they get this list, this list right or not? <laughs> well, the long and short of it is it factor is just a, a really shitty way of saying because we like them. Yes. It's and, objective. Yeah. So that kind of like stains the entire list, uh, you know, for me. Um, as far as did they get it right, there is no right or wrong with this thing because if you don't have the it factor, which is the most subjective thing that it can be, then what are you going to do? So since they're not even taking it seriously – I, I, I don't even know where to begin with tearing this damn thing apart. As far as uh, who was number one, uh, was uh, the Revival was number one, you yes, said? Yes, yeah. FTR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure, I guess. I mean, no, but, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if what, what, what it factor do they have that the Bucks don't? What it factor do they have that Doom Patrol doesn't? What I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the, the big the big thing. And then of course, if they're looking at just TV and uh, pay-per-view matches, not really looking at the indies because I'm not really hearing any names that weren't on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, well, I, I, I guess. Um, and that's just kind of luck of the draw. So did they get the list right? Sure. They picked a bunch of popular tag teams from my hat and called the list. Right. Yeah, and, and it's the and it's the teams that are like you know the most dominant teams, tag team champions in most cases between FTR, Omega and Page, Golden Role Models. I like that aspect that they mixed the ladies in with the guys, so you got Sasha and Bailey in there, and you got the Kabuki Warriors in the top ten. So they're not just exclusively <laughs> sticking to guys. But the biggest thing that jumped at me in that top ten is like, okay, this is a very political top ten because you got you got everybody represented. You got AEW, you got mm-hmm. WWE, you got Impact, you got Raw, you got some women in there, you got New Japan. They're, they're definitely trying to make everybody happy, not step on anybody's toes. Personally, I wouldn't have put FTR at the top. I'm thinking for that last year, probably Omega and Paige. Yeah. I probably would have made, made them number one. But you know, and, and they're probably thinking, okay, you know, we know how these lists are. They're trying to sell magazines and they're trying to create conversation. So either way, it's an AEW team at the top. They're probably thinking FTR, you know, right now, they probably they probably know oh, they're probably gonna be winning the belt soon. We better put them at number one. So by the time this thing hits newsstands, they're gonna be the relevant team as opposed to Omega and Page that are donezo now. But for the time period, I'd say Omega and Page. But I mean, it is what it is. I I never read too far into these darn lists. I think it's fine. I like that the North made it in there. I like that the ladies made it in there. Rapungi 3K, that might be a bit of a stretch for me. But I don't know. For, for a top 10, I think it's it could be much worse. This top 10 could be much more messy than what we have here. So here's a here's a, a fun question. If you fun, fun show. Fun show. Fun alert. Fun alert. <laughs> If you wanted to spark IWC riots, who would you have put on this list to make them question your sanity? Just to just Ooh. to troll them, who would you have put on this list? <laughs> Nia Jackson Baszler. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You would have people freaking out about Nia being on there. Yeah, you put them on there, or you do something like a uh, oh um that they just got they just Randy got them together. Allie. Yeah, yeah, I'll say because they, they, they just got them together in the draft and they're barely doing anything and people don't like it. Um, Peyton Hoist and um, what's her face? Uh, oh, Lacey, Lacey Evans. Evans. Mm-hmm. Since they broke up the Iconics and made them a team, people would have been heated. Is that, is that actually a thing? Yes. yes. Oh, dear. Yes. 
Yes, they are a makeshift tag team. Since Why break them up then? Up. Yeah, exactly. We're going to break you up and still have a tag team. It's, it's I, uh, No one knows. No one knows. Wow. <laughs> and that's no, how I would, have, I would have pissed someone off. I would have probably put the Iconics at number four, number five, just to make someone mad at me because it's so asinine. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sonny and uh, Joey Janela, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, because people... Are indifferent to Sonny. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there are a couple out there that are like actually decent tag teams, but but that's another thing about the list. Uh, any list, it is still wrestling. So let's not pretend that they aren't booked this way. I right. mean, you want to say that they, you know, that a person is having like this match or this match or, or whatever, it, that would make I would believe it in the Olympics, but no, it's it's right. wrestling. So if you're going to say that. This match is uh, is is well. Oh, this performer, this sports entertainer, is the best. He or she is the best. Well, how much of that is their actual ability, and how much of that is their booking? How much yeah. of that is their ability to take safe matches and then make themselves look good, or how much is that is their ability to pull out the best of their opponents? It that that's a thing. That's where I think that the actual intangible lies. Not just that, oh, this guy has a good look and a catchy gimmick, and now he's the Undertaker. Like, no, did he actually do the wrestling? And an Undertaker match, you know, whether you like it or not, aren't like the best put together, story driven wrestling matches. It's very theatrical by nature. Uh, so I can't really say that he's like the greatest wrestler, but. But his, you know, legacy you know, stands for, uh, for itself. So I think that's the problem with these lists is that they pick a lot of popular people that are booked that way. It's it's not my thing to do lists. I'm not a what culture guy, a cultaholic guy. But <laughs> but after seeing this, I'm as a women's wrestling advocate, I was glad to see that the Kabuki Warriors and the Golden Role Models made it, even though, in my opinion, they weren't together long enough to be included on this list. But at the same token, it pisses people off. It gets people talking. Somebody's going to buy the magazine and then scan it online. And we all can see. And then we're going to laugh and see that Shane and I were probably 15th, you know, and then Dana Brooke and, and uh, who, who is it? Who is she teaming with now? Mandy Rose was probably at the, tw- the 20th spot. Right. All, all your freshly made drafted tag teams that didn't exist before October. <laughs> the blonde bombshell tag teams. Exactly. <laughs> the other thing they did, they did throw in some uh, intergender teams in there. So I know uh, Vic, Victor Benjamin and Lady Frost made it on yes. there. And um, right here in D.C., the Kings of the District, they made it on there. So Eel O'Neill and Jordan Blade, they got some notoriety on there. So it's, there's, I, th- I like that PWI seems to be trying some very different things. Right. Than they had than they have been in the past. They, this new, the new, uh, I guess people in charge at PWI. They're definitely leaning more towards the indies. They're definitely, I think, trying to make it so it's less just you know your big TV companies. They're, they're trying some different stuff. So I think it's 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 interesting to see it in that respect. That it's not the same old list that we'd always see just forever. Where it's like oh, okay, all your tag team champions are in there, and all your typical teams that you see on TV. There's a couple of wild cards thrown in there. So. Going forward, we'll see how between the men's list and the women's list and now tag teams, they can do this. Maybe they'll do like a junior heavyweights next or cruisers or something. I don't know. To, to yeah, mix it I up as another, another, see- uh, another genre. Junior. Yeah, mm-hmm. that could be like the next one they do. Or maybe, maybe they do like an indie exclusive one or something, you know, not not involving the big companies. I don't know. But it, it's it's interesting, I would say. Where, where would you have put uh, Power and Glory if you were making a list? <laughs> Oh, we're talking old school power and glory. Yeah, we're talking about Paul Roman Hercules. Oh, dude, I was all about power and glory when they hit (laughs) 1990. I was way into power and glory. So if it was this time of year going into Survivor Series 1990, I was very into them. They would have been top 20 because I was very, very excited about them and thinking they were going to be a big thing. And then the Legion of Doom showed up and just killed them at WrestleMania. And I was like, oh, I guess that's the end of that. So that's the end of I that. liked and Jerk. I was into those two. <laughs> Is that what we call them, Herc and Jerk? Wow. Bobby Heenan used to call them Herc and Jerk. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, brain. Uh, 
And you know what's funny? Before we go on to the news, actually, that's that's something I, I, I've appreciated a lot more over the last maybe 20 years is that tag teams were tag teams when we were mm-hmm. younger. So like the natural disasters, even when they put together rhythm and blues, when Greg Valentine dyed his hair stupidly right. black and looked really out of shape and out of place. Uh, Bobby Eaton could team with anybody. Cesaro could team with anybody. So I'm glad that we're starting to see tag teams getting the shine that they deserve. You know, you're not just a tag team specialist because you can't cut it as a single star. You're in a tag team because you're a damn good tag team. And if you happen to break off, you know, like Sean and Marty or Matt and Jeff, Jay and Jimmy, that's fine. But you know what? Big ups to PWI for at least highlighting the tag teams and putting in intergender tag teams as well because progressive. I like it. Uh, before we get out of here, Jamal, news and notes for the week? Yeah. So uh, so the big thing, of course, is uh, The Undertaker. It's the end of the last ride of the end of the last ride this week in the Survivor <laughs> Series. Um, and, of course, we did touch on it earlier where he's, uh, you know, you have the privilege of spending 1000 USD dollars on a brief, very brief, but intimate, uh, message video message from The Undertaker. There are only 30 uh, spots available as he has one for each year in WWE. How many spots do you think are left? Oh, good question. How hot has the uptake been on this? Now, it's over Sunday. So you, you get while the getting's getting. But yeah. How many spots do you think are left since they have announced this? It's gone live. I'm gonna, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say half of them are gone. I'm going to say about six are left. Single digits are left. Wow. Okay. So, will you say about 15 people have signed yeah. up? You're going to say that it's more than 20, mm-hmm. uh, Damien? Uh, only 10. Oh. Okay. Oh, so, they got over half. Right. Not I mean, sold so, out yet. So not sold out. There's still 20 spots left. Um, but that means that they've made ten thousand dollars. Jesus Christ. Just like right. that. Just like that. <laughs> ten grand. It boggles the mind. Uh, we do know that the Thunderdome is moving. They're moving out of Orlando, heading down I four. They got the Sun Pass. And they're moving across the bay to St. Petersburg, Florida. Because the Thunderdome is moving to Tropicana Field. I said this months ago, This and they're finally going to pull the trigger. Starting December 11th, uh, that episode of Raw will be emanating from the new home. I'm sorry, SmackDown uh, on December 11th will be emanated from the new Thunderdome in Tropicana Field. Now, it's a baseball stadium, in case you don't know, about 35,000 seats for a baseball game. Obviously, with the ring being its size in relationship to the baseball field, they have a lot more working room. Uh, Florida stubbornly will not lock down, even though most of the country is uh, facing some restrictions at this time uh, because you know, COVID and uh, COVID mania is running wild like it never has before. Brother. <laughs> exactly. So the idea is uh, with the NBA starting back up in early December, uh, the Thunderdome was poised to move anyway. Uh, they were basically working on a month-to-month lease of the Amway Center in Orlando. So moving down to, uh, to the Trop seems like a good idea. The, the problem is, is that what will that look like? It's physically a much bigger space, even though it is small for a baseball stadium. Um, it is covered, as it does have a very oddly crooked dome uh, that's tilted at like a 40 degree angle. The dome is like this at Tropicana Field. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super weird. Um, it tilts towards home plate. But the idea is that the Thunderdome will be different and it will be um, at Tropicana Field starting this December. So in a month, um, presumably, that's where you're going to have the Royal Rumble. Uh, presumably, that's where you're going to have uh, you know WrestleMania. If, of course, we don't turn the corner on whatever the virus is going to do. So I, I hopefully as they do have more space, which will include more of those video boards for the WWE universe. Maybe there's more opportunities for people to join in on a live show mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as more spots should certainly open. 
But what if they don't? You know, what if they overproduce and have many more spots than um, and they can't sell out the virtual seating? So that'd be interesting. I'm really interested to see what they look like. Drew McIntyre. Apparently, he carries a giant sword to the ring, right? <laughs> so this week, he does. As of this week, yes. So he carries a giant sword to the ring. And that sword apparently belongs to Vince McMahon. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, How am I not surprised? Right. So um, McIntyre spoke to Ryan Satan of uh, Fox Sports. And he basically said that Triple H and uh, Stephanie McMahon gifted Vince the sword. And because McIntyre wanted to use the kilt and the sword to celebrate his Highlander Scottish uh, heritage, he said, we need a sword. And Vince McMahon said, I have one. I'll be back. And there, and and then it goes on from there. So uh, because you're Vince McMahon, why wouldn't you have a giant Scottish broadsword? So, <laughs> why not? Why not? Why did he get it? Did he get it out of a lake? I mean, only Vince McMahon do something crazy like this. Have some sword probably mounted in his home office or over his fireplace, or who he slayed a dragon with it. You know, typical Vince. <laughs> I think that's the picture that he has, like oh, on like the bearskin rug in his like giant. Castle throne room in his office in Titan Towers, um, where it's just him with like half of a um, a tank top on, like staring down a dragon. You know, <laughs> I'm sure he envisions himself, you know, running into like Mount Doom by himself because he's just a man. Uh, moving on, would you like to see a Lana biopic? No. Well, Jeez. you're in luck. November twenty fourth. <laughs> Well, coming this Saturday, November 21st, uh, just before Survivor Series, WWE Chronicle, Lana will take you behind the scenes of, using their words, the vivacious superstar's life away from the ring as she spends time with her family, <laughs> except her husband. Uh, expect to see a side of Lana that you've never seen before, unless you watch Total Divas. Um, Chronicle <laughs> drops Saturday the 21st on the award-winning WWE Network. That is a choice right there they made. Well, My. that's just so fine. <laughs> Let's just say that you were so busy that you missed Lana's, uh, you know, uh, documentary or docuseries. Well, the following week, they're doing Liv Morgan. So that's a thing. Uh, Live Forever will premiere on the WWE Network on uh, the 29th. Hmm. Another baffling announcement. She says on on the Twitter machine that uh, quote, for 16 months I documented my life behind the scenes as WWE superstar. Not everything is what it seems, but you can finally see it all. On November 29th you'll get to learn the truth that and I get to quote, live forever. What the hell will a Liv Morgan <laughs> biopic actually feature? Her being in catering for six months? Her doing that one promo when, with, with Lana the and Rusev pub. and then going yeah, get, back to catering? Yeah, we. I guess that we'll get the behind the scenes of the whole thing with Bobby Lashley and Lana and all it that. It sounds yeah. like an infomercial for Titus Catering Worldwide. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I will say this. I would be more interested in seeing the Liv Morgan thing because the biggest thing that jumps out at me about them doing Lana is like you said, Jamal, Lana was on Total Divas for years. So right. she's been very covered outside the ring in that respect, where that's not like a unique thing. At least Liv is someone we haven't really seen in that light. So of the two, right. I'm more curious about the Liv Morgan one. But either way, it's kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think that, that that is the case, especially with Lana. And then she also has that big social media presence, if you, if you care about those things. Um, you know, she does uh, appear on uh, her husband's Twitch. Uh, she does appear on, you know, every she's on tout, queen of tout. Um, <laughs> so all, all of these different things. And then, of course, Liv Morgan, uh, maybe not nearly as the social media imprint as Lana, but of all of the wrestlers, uh, the female wrestlers that she wanted to document. She said that she spent 16 months. Who the hell's job is it to follow Liv Morgan around for a year and change? (laughs) Who did that guy piss off to follow Liv Morgan around with a camera at catering? 
And even better, who thinks we want to see this? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the world famous WWE Network is just clamoring for Liv Morgan and 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 for Lana. So hopefully, maybe 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 Ruby Riot will be the week after. Maybe, maybe they'll do that. <laughs> I'd rather watch that, to be quite honest. And yes, headlocks. If Nia doesn't put put her through a table on Chronicle. That's got to be part of it, right? You know, the whole yeah, this has put to, through this, a table 95 times. This has to be the payoff for Lana is she gets her special and somehow she gets to put Nia out finally on, on, the, on the Chronicle. Maybe that's it. Headlocks and dropkicks might have just figured it out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's all quite weird. Um, last uh, couple of uh, tidbits. Um, a lot more people watched AEW than NXT. Uh, War Games is coming back for NXT, which means that the Undisputed Era will kill themselves in a War Games match again. Um, you have um, Jordan Devlin will be in a Cruiserweight title defense uh, for next week's NXT UK, which apparently has really picked back up. Um, mm-hmm. Survivor Series is this weekend, so there will be obviously the Go Home Show Friday uh, with tomorrow for SmackDown. And um, uh, one last thing, and it's a, you know, Terrible bit of news. Apparently, the Bellas moved from Arizona to Northern California uh, for a number of reasons. Not, you know, because of A, Total Divas or Total Bellas, but B, uh, because of their wine business and stuff like that in Napa, north of San Francisco. Uh, Good for them. Beautiful part of the country. Except wildfires. Yeah. Fuck. So, um, needless to say, uh, not too long after moving out there from Arizona, uh, they were not directly affected, but minimally affected by the wildfires. They got a bunch of smoke and both of them have infant children around. It's just a bad time. And it's obviously a bad time for everyone out there who's been suffering through this long suffering wildfire season. So, um, you know, good on them. You know, their, their homes are okay. The people, the, the kids are fine. Daniel Bryan and Brian and Nicole are fine, but it's just that that's got to suck, man. You move from Arizona to Northern California and you did it. You have your dream house. But wildfires. Sucks. It's 2020, y'all. So that's the news for this week. Uh, I, I know we, we were up against it. Uh, we were going to do another topic. Uh, I think you all know which one it is. We can touch on it briefly. Uh, AEW is not so squeaky clean behind the scenes, it seems. You want to give your quick thoughts before we head out of here? Well, possibly squeaky clean. Well, what we're going to see, there's someone who uh, looks like they worked for uh, DDP's production company is what yeah. we seem to be connecting the dots with. There's a tweet going around of a ongoing, I guess, issues with uh, working with that production company and its AEW involvement with making you know video packages. And he names Cody Rhodes and a number of things involving, I guess his employer saying he couldn't be around when Cody was there and all this and alluding to that Cody didn't like him. And it's a very tangled mess. And there's some text messages that have surfaced. And obviously it appears he does not directly work for AEW, but a company that is obviously contracting with AEW. So I think we're going to know more as time goes on, but it's definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Wrestling is a boys club. Wrestling is a boys club. It always has been. And I don't think there's any company that's exempt sometimes from the fraternity atmosphere kind of rearing its ugly head. And it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think there's any company exempt from that. So could there be some possible bullying going on or, you know, a weird work environment or something that 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 stuff happens in wrestling. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. So We'll see what happens. It's out, it's out there if you're looking to find it. I'm not going to go any further than that, but there, there's stuff happening. So yep. I'm sure it's we're going to hear something about it from AEW because people are people are talking and they're definitely tagging them and things. So I think they're going to have to make a statement as to what's going on at some point, probably in the next 24 hours. Yeah, Jamal, I think there, there are a lot of pieces that are missing uh, in the story. I mean, things seem to be uh, developing. Uh, I think with respect to the person that uh, initiated this, uh, good on you, uh, you know, for doing it. I mean, it was a pretty lengthy um, essay that he penned and screenshotted and shared on the Twitters. But I I do think, to be fair, it is point counterpoint. And we do need to see that 
what the counterpoint is before we all, you know, make any official judgments. Um, it'd be interesting to see in detail what's going on. Apparently there's some text messages that have been released. I'm not sure to what extent uh, or what the nature of those messages are. There's just a lot that we don't know uh, because this thing is, you know, kind of bubbling under the surface as we speak. So uh, we'll definitely next week have a lot more to say about it. But as of right now, um, you know, it's not the speaking out movement wasn't just a month in June. Um, you know, it's 24 seven, 365. And I think that, you know, it's not just relative to wrestling. Uh, this shit happens, unfortunately, all across the landscape of any business or any place where you're in a position of power, uh, to wield that power over and subjugate others. Um, that's unfortunate, but it also, it is incumbent upon us to actually speak out against that bullshit and, and call it out and then come with receipts because, you know, people need to know. Uh, what you're saying is, is valid or not. So, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, what AEW's response is, assuming that this rabbit hole uh, gets deeper. Right. And I think we can say that it's still in the fact-finding mode. Things will be said over the, over the week, the next couple of days, and we are going to talk about it in more in-depth if we need to another episode or for episode 298 that is episode 297 in the book so on behalf of myself jamal and will find us at twitter at bgb group big old belt uh, big old belt group.com uh, thank you everybody for tuning in uh two chains will be back next week hopefully because we have fun without him he says and hopefully we will have my show back <laughs> fun show and uh we will have marcellus back in the settle as well thank you so much again and that's 297 we'll see you next time for 298 what I really need that bitch.